What's going on, everybody? Welcome to season three of the Release the Eight podcast. Yes, we are in season three, and mm-hmm. we are going to be talking about evangelistic communication and just evangelism in general as regards to Gen Z. Um, last season, we were talking about ministry in a season of decline and go back and listen to those episodes. I think we had some really great musings. But what Linton and I really want to talk about now is how do we communicate the gospel in a way that makes sense? For this current generation, anyone mm-hmm. who's from 15 to 25 years old, if you're paying attention, they are different the way they think, the way they operate. And I don't mean that negatively or positively. They just are different. They are not millennials. And any of us that are working in those environments, whether it's me as a campus uh, ministry leader with collegiates, or if it's Linson uh, being a pastor and working in mm-hmm. a church that's multi generational. Maybe you're a parent listening to this. And you're like, yeah, I have a Gen Zer in my house. They're different. Mm-hmm. We want to figure out how to talk about this well. And the way that I would intro into this series is by a metaphor, and that is a, a, of a dartboard. I felt like back in 2010, when I was doing ministry on the college campus, talking with millennials, I felt like if you could sit down with me and talk to me about Jesus. I understood how you thought, what you were feeling, what you were considering as far as spiritual things, that if we were having a true and open conversation, you were going to come to Christ. Like I knew Mm -hmm. how to deliver the gospel in a way that made so much sense to you that you were ready to say yes. And I don't mean to say that I'm the Holy spirit or that I make people come to Christ. We know all that's not true, but what I mean is I was so dialed in to how to communicate to that generation that it was just almost inevitable. It's like what CS Lewis would say that the hound of heaven, it's like when, when he's Mm. on your tracks game over. And that's how we felt. We saw almost a thousand people coming to Christ a year when I was in San Diego, historic numbers. And it was as if I was standing in front of a dartboard one foot away and I could just put the dart in the bullseye. That that's how evangelism felt. Like if we get an opportunity to talk with you and you're open it's going to be a bullseye. You're going to, you're going to come to Christ. It just Mm -hmm. felt like that. Thousands of people coming to Christ. Some of you are listening to this uh, podcast that know me, you know what I'm talking about. Like there are incredible stories of people Mm -hmm. making decisions for Jesus. Fast forward to 2020. (laughs) I feel like sometimes when I'm talking with students, it's as if I'm a hundred feet away with a blindfold on. And if I hit the board, I'm like a hero, like, oh my gosh, I hit the board. I don't know what number I got. It might be a one, not a a 50 in the middle of a bullseye. And if you're, you might be laughing with me if you work with young people, because that's just how it felt. The number one way we see that I think is with ghosting. Like people just Mm -hmm. don't come back. I've had so many conversations where I felt like that was a good conversation and I never see the person again. Mm -hmm. What is that about? Well, if you're a cultural um, uh, analyzer like I am, or, or you care about connecting mm. with people and what makes sense for them, not just sense for you. What that tells me is what I'm saying isn't resonating and mm. I'm not changing what I'm thinking about. I'm not changing the gospel, uh, but the cultural rhetoric is different mm. now. And if we don't talk in a way that makes sense, we're going to get ghosted. People are going to say no to Jesus. And I, again, there's a tension. I don't mean to say, all of the pressures on us to do it perfectly because we are partnering with the Holy Spirit and he's the right, one yeah. that regenerates and calls people to faith. I get that. 
but we also have a responsibility to communicate well. And if you're anything like me, communicating in today's age with Gen Z needs careful attention of what kind of language we're using and how we're contextualizing the gospel so that we can hit the bullseye and help people come to Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And we have something really uh, powerful to share with you today that Linson and I have stumbled into, but let me kick it to you, Linson. That was a long intro. What are you thinking about? How, how's that resonating yeah. with you? No, Bo, thanks for queuing that up. Like always, I appreciate the, the metaphor, but you're right. I mean, I mean, this is not a new thing, right? We should not be upset at ourselves that uh, the message doesn't resonate. Like, you know, it, it, there's some truth to that. I, I remember like in the 80s and 90s growing up, I was given a diagram called, I believe it's called the bridge diagram. Like I was on one side uh, by myself and uh, I would try to jump this cliff or something. And I kept falling like, you know, like Mario Brothers, I would fall down the middle of it. And I needed something to help me get across. And so, so someone would draw a cross there. And that's how I walked across the cross to be with Jesus. Uh, you know, you and I know that uh, in our times at the university, that metaphor kind of fell flat with mo- millennials. There was something about it that was captivating, but no one in a world that felt so networked, in a world that felt like we were becoming a global village, it felt weird to talk about my individual rescue when I knew about a world that was totally falling apart. You know, there, what, what was God doing with everything else in the world while I just, you know, moseyed, or, moseyed across the chasm? And um, I think the millennials were thinking about something different. So uh, InterVarsity through James Chung and others, you know, created that new world diagram where uh, the story didn't end with um, merely us coming to Christ ourselves, but we were following this Jesus that was changing the entire world. And we were called with God to change the world with him through the power of the Holy Spirit that even even little old me with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we could change the world, you know? And I mean, as a millennial, I was just like, man, now that is a cap. I want to give my life to Jesus like that. I have found, and I, I even started a blog called Everyday World Changer, right? Even now, for any young person hearing that, and even you're chuckling right now, any young person that hears that, they start to smirk at that. They're like, okay, I'm going to be a world changer. I'm really surprised at how flat the effect is about changing the world with Gen Z. They live in a world now where that, um, A, is not possible in their mind, changing the world you know how crappy the world is or if it is possible is it even worth doing you know um and so just the 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 subtle shift in the generation uh creates a uh a block for a, a gospel message that we were just throwing right into the bullseye like you were saying and so now even when i say some of these phrases i i can even feel that they're dated they feel like they're, they're a little stale for a, a okay, Gen well, Z. Let, let me let me cut in on you because I, I want to hear why. And I, I, I hear mm. our listeners going, what do you mean? Why? Like if if the idea of becoming a world changer resonated with millennials. So in recap, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the the bridge diagram was a metaphor for atonement on penal substitution, like personal sin. 
Like, mm-hmm. hey, Jesus can save you and get you across the chasm to be in right relation with God, which we believe and we still believe. 100%. But you're saying that didn't totally resonate with the millennial because what about all my friends? What about the world? Like, I want to make mm-hmm. a change in this world. So, yes, I need personal sin, but I need a gospel that's bigger than personal sin that can restore the world. So, come on, Linson, I'll be a world changer with you. And that resonated. So, what do you mean? Gen Z doesn't resonate with world changers. Or when you say smirking, like what doesn't everyone want to be a world changer? Like say more about that. Like, yeah, I think, thanks for asking that question. So there, there's almost a sense that there was, there, there was something about an individual um, and living in the West, let's say that, that they could pursue a dream that um, not only would bring them self prosperity would, but, but would bring the world to a place of prosperity, like go to college, um, get a reputable job, get married, um, buy a house and then start contributing to society, whether that's giving your life away at the mission field or, um, giving away money or being a part of nonprofit organizations, right? None of us in, in the kind of older category that's listening right now, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like in America, we call that pursuing the American dream, making an impact in society. You can do that. You as an individual, you have the worldview to see that happen. But if you talk that world that our parents prepared us for, if I begin to prepare my children for that world, that world has fundamentally changed. Mm. That world doesn't exist anymore. Let's think, let's talk about that. Go to college, right? We live in a world where student loan, uh, the student loan epidemic, right? I mean, like there in any, any room that you go into, there's, there's probably several people that owe hundreds of thousands of dollars for a student loan. So, I mean, I think Gen Z is wondering if they should even go to college, right? Mm -hmm. Get a reputable job. What did that mean for us? It meant, you know, at least from a South Asian worldview, it was like, and it's probably true for all people. Like get a get a reputable job, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, business person, be a small, small business owner, right? All of that has changed, right? I mean, you talk to doctors and lawyers now, they might be like, I don't know if it's worth getting in the game. I mean, even the barriers of entry are so high. I mean, and most Gen Zers are thinking about maybe I could be a YouTube star. I mean, pun intended, we're on YouTube, but um, get married. I mean, the entire institution of marriage is falling apart, right? I mean, when you can say that, like, I don't know, 60% or so of marriages fail. I mean, why do I even want to enter into that institution, right? Buy a house. Are you kidding me? It's so hard to buy a house right now. You know, um, it, the, the loan, the, the amount of what houses cost around the country. I, I'm in Texas right now in Dallas. I, it used to be easy to move here and get a house. Now it's like being priced out of the market. So all that to say a Gen Zer is looking at the world that you told them to go out and change. And they find that your advice doesn't fit in a fundamentally different world. Right. Uh, you, does that make sense? Like that's just yeah. one way of analyzing. So, it. It's, so it's what not I- the same anymore what I'm hearing you say, and and you and I've talked a lot about this is optimism is collapsing. Um, Mm. people, Mm. people in Gen Z, again, generally speaking, doesn't even necessarily have to be Gen Z. It could be anyone in our world right now, but a lot of Gen Zers that we're running into, they don't have a lot of optimism about the world. Um, it's a good way to and say I it. really, can I get that college degree and actually make something out of it? Or is debt going to just cripple me? Yeah. Yep. Um, can yeah. I really have that marriage that you say I can have when divorce rates are over 50% and my family yeah. sucks? Yep. Um, can I really get that 
um, house because pricing is so high, like you're saying. So like there, there's, there's a lack of optimism. And so with millennials, the idea of changing the world, it actually comes from this latent part of them that is like, man, I do have optimism about this. Like I, I have optimism in my faith. I have optimism that I can make a difference. What I'm hearing you say is that right now, a lot of people in this younger generation, they don't have a lot of optimism about their own life, let alone what they could do for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Collapsing optimism. I think, I think you nailed it. Like, I mean, can I tell me what you you were saying about people with regards to the pandemic? Yeah. Like I was about to share that. Like, I mean, I know this might be like a, a sad example, but, um, both here locally um, with young people around me. And um, one of my professors at Fuller was sharing very similar things that there were, there, there were some students that welcomed the pandemic. Uh, I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. There was like, life was moving so fast. It was so, um, their, their life was so connected, moving so fast with so many uh, pressures anxiety fears placed upon them that when the pandemic came and turned everything off it was like almost like they were walking into like some apocalyptic film right that um like that they, they almost welcomed it it was like they, they could turn everything off be in a cocoon st- stay isolated be away from everybody and it it fit in their mentality that optimism is failing right i mean like I mean, pandemics like this, I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't happen to every generation, right? So it came upon uh, Gen Z, and they already had a view that things were collapsing. um, And now this uh, pandemic happens. And in some ways, it was a relief from a collapsing world, right? It's like, let's all stay disconnected, kind of get into uh, our own isolated bubbles. And 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 when you go up to me, hey, you can be an everyday world changer. They're like, you talking about bro i mean there's no changing this world i mean the very environment is fighting us back i mean the world i mean we have a pandemic that's trying to wipe out humanity in their in their mind you know i mean so it it, in their in their mind it's just a it's not an optimistic worldview does that make sense their optimism is collapsing yeah and so um what i'm thinking about is uh, a podcast you and I have been listening to by Mark Sayers. And in a recent episode, he talks about the difference in our world uh, moving from complicated to complex. Oh, yes. And when he talks about the world being complicated, he actually spent some time talking about the early 1900s. And, you know, they had to figure out how to make things operate in a consistent way. So he didn't say this, but I'm thinking assembly line, right? Right. Like, how do you make things to the same standard over and over and over? And he uses the word calculated, complicated things need calculated solutions. If I do a, then B will happen repeat, right? And then you can boom, make stuff happen over and over and over and over again. And he, he, he goes on to say that our world has been a complicated one, but he says now our world has actually become complex. And when you are in a complex world, 
uh, uh, calculation doesn't work. There's not, Mm -mm. there's not calculation Mm -mm. for complexity. So uh, one of the ways that he, he would say it is um, the one that's coming off the top of my head is he used the metaphor of like throwing a rock in a pond. He's like complicated meant you threw one rock in the pond and then you had a ripple. And it's like, can I create another ripple? And it'd be one after another, after another complex is I throw six rocks in the pond at the same time. And there's six different ripples. What do I do with that? How do I do that? And so where my mind is going with all of this, and now I'm going to pivot our uh, podcast episode and start getting us really into the season. Follow me. Tell me if this makes sense. If complexity doesn't have any calculation, so the housing market's going crazy, student debt is out of control, and the way the university is being run is unprecedented. A global pandemic has been thrown into the mix and a <laughs> tiny invisible virus that comes from Wuhan has wrecked our whole world. Like what? Like you, you can't calculate that. If there's complexity that you can't calculate, what does that do to optimism? I don't have any. I can't predict because mm-hmm. optimism comes from calculation. Optimism comes from being able to say, if I do A, then B will happen. So I'm optimistic about the the equation, the result, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. As soon as complexity is thrown in and I can't calculate, I can't be optimistic because I don't know what's going to happen. I can't trust anything to be predictable. Is this resonating so far? Where I'm going with that is in that reality where optimism is slipping, I think this is where dystopian reality is introduced. And some of you listening to this know exactly what I'm talking about when I say dystopia. Some of you listening to this are going, what language are you speaking now? Like, did Bo just have an outbreak of tongues? Like, (laughs) no, dystopian uh, genre or dystopian worldview is a very real thing. Um, Dystopian, uh, which I'm going to let you talk about, um, Linson, dystopian uh, worldview is basically one that is super unoptimistic. It, it's, it's a breakdown of epic proportions. It's a fearful state. Things aren't going to get better. And when we think about dystopian uh, genres, whether it's movies or shows, why don't you, you talk to us a little bit about that? Like first is what I'm saying makes sense. And then tell us a little bit more about what dystopia is. Like what are some of the shows and movies that connect with it and what in the heck does this have to do with evangelism and Gen Z? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so in a, I love, I love where we're going here. So if our optimism continues to slip, meaning we can't calculate the future, which is what we're saying. Cause there's so much complexity. There's yeah, an optimistic person can at least say, I know how to get out of here. That's what I mean. That's what our optimistic friend says, right? That's what the optimistic leader says, right? I can chart the course out of here. But when it is so complex, we're in a world and you're growing up in this world, this complex world, you can't calculate your way out. And if you or 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 let me let me interject or people's calculations that they're giving you, you say. I don't think that really works, dude. They don't, they don't make sense, right? Going to college is not very calculated to me in an optimistic way or getting married and having kids sounds like a tragedy. Um, (laughs) So your calculation to get out and become successful, 
I'm watching our world and the people I see that have degrees in crippling debt or the people I see that have terrible marriages or the people I see that can't even pay their rent or mortgage. No, thank you. Right. Yeah. In in a way, what you're saying is they're saying your calculations are a myth. Yes. You know, or they don't work in this complex world. Yeah. You're living in la la land. Right. Yes. If you're really going to sit down and figure out how to calculate this, you're going to find you can't get out. Mm. And once you find you can't get out, you slip into this. Then you're like, wait a second. This is a dystopia. Right. Like there's no way out of this. Right. Which is a dystopia, like you said, is a genre um, of writing. It's a genre of, um, uh, yeah, of literature, like we're saying, movies and stuff like that. And what is it? It's a time of great suffering and injustice, usually totalitarian regimes or war or outbreak or zombies. You know, there's all sorts of different ways to look at it. Um, I'll give uh, us a uh, definition for the for the listeners. Then you keep going. This is just straight out of Wikipedia. The meaning of dystopia is an imagined world or society in which people lead wretched, dehumanized, fearful lives. Man, yikes, wretched, dehumanized, dehumanized fearful lives, lives, right? And uh, you look at the way the world is, you know, um, to a Gen Zer, right? It, it has, be, it's, it's, it's slowly becoming that, right? Um, and so, and so there's so many ways, there's so many rabbit trails here, Bo, but like dehumanized, right? What is technology doing to us, right? It's uh, causing us to be connected in a way we've never been before, but isolated in a greater, greater way, right? Look at the current fearful. war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fearful, right? Yeah, like you were saying, look at the war right now. Fearful. I, we see anxiety and fear on the rise, right? I mean, uh, I, I feel like uh, mental health is so huge right now. And it continues to paint a dystopian worldview. Uh, some of our favorite shows on TV, some of our favorite movies are, are depicted in a uh, post-apocalyptic dystopian worldview. I mean, Hunger Games. Um, we can go back even Squid further games. than that. Oh, Squid Games. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I, I hear that it's got that same reference or that same mindset, right? And so I think, I think what we're finding ourselves in is we're saying we're talking about no like a nobility around jesus the world changer and us in this noble effort to change the world rings hollow in a dystopian reality and so what you and i need to figure out along with all of our friends uh that watch the release the eight um podcast and we're calling all our community here is can we enter into this dystopian worldview and can we find glimmers of the, the gospel message, who Jesus is in this space, right? Because we can see the echo chambers throughout our cultural moment of, of echoing back to us. Yeah, the world sucks. Um, the world is hard. Um, there is not a calculated way out of this complex mess that we're in. Is it, am I making sense? I'm yeah, kind of I, I think and I think we can leave it here is yeah. if you followed us this far, <laughs> first of all, give yourself a pat on the back because we've talked a lot about a lot of things in this episode. But if you followed this us this far, what we're getting at, Lynch and I want to talk about over the coming weeks is we think the dystopian worldview yeah. is ruling the day right now. Mm-hmm. And a dystopian worldview is not an optimistic worldview. 
we're not saying we agree with this. What we're saying is it's, it is. Um, it, it doesn't matter if we agree with it or not. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It doesn't matter if you're frustrated at your kid or not. It doesn't matter if you're frustrated at college students or not. Like, why are they like this? Why do they do that? Dystopian worldview is different. It just is. But the reality is there's still a gospel message mm-hmm. that sings true to someone in a dystopian worldview. There's a gospel message for them an invitation that can actually rescue them out of that worldview. And before I sound like I'm just putting down Gen Z or the dystopian Mm -hmm. worldview, no, the American dream was a worldview. The, The optimism of advancement is a worldview and the gospel has a confrontation for that too. It has an invitation for that too. What we're saying in this episode is we knew how to speak to the American dream. We knew how to speak to the world changer that wanted to become one, but didn't know how and needed Jesus to invite them into the kingdom and show them real power. We know how to do that. We are saying in this episode, we don't know how to preach the gospel powerfully in a resonating way to someone that is in a dystopian uh, worldview or mind frame. And so Mm -hmm. this resonates with you. Like, yes, I think we are in a dystopian reality. And yes, I think we need to figure out how to preach this. We need you to email us. We need you to leave a comment on this episode. We need you to, to tweet us or Instagram. So let us know this resonates because what we're going to do then from here is we're going to get into some topics around felt needs. Like what are the biggest felt needs of someone with a dystopian worldview? Like what are, what are they feeling and caring about and resonating with? Why? Because that's going to help us know how to talk about which gospel stories should be shared or Jesus story should be shared into those felt needs so that Jesus is relevant to them. So he's meeting them truly on their turf and the way they view and see the world. Um, what are the best atonement metaphors yeah. for someone that is fearful or thinks everything's falling apart or doesn't have hope and is low on optimism? What atonement metaphor do they need? They certainly don't need a personal forgiveness of sins metaphor. They need something else. So if this resonates, let us know because Linson and I want to spend time talking about how to speak in a captivating way to the dystopian worldview and call it into the kingdom of God. And we're going to do it, I guess, anyways. But if, if we're only going to get one view, we might as well just do it offline. But if this is <laughs> resonating with you, we'll put our discussions on, on camera and figure it out together. So that's where we're landing. That's where we're going. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last words, Linton, or is that good? No, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things that you said, Bo, offline, I just want to say, like, the mantra of, and again, we love Gen Z, or we want to be talking about this. I mean, these are, these, are, these are young people that we love, and we want them to come into the kingdom. And it's a worldview that, yeah, may start young, but it will spread. You know, and we're going to see it in our peers and we're going to see it everywhere. Um, but one of the things you said was uh, a young person would say, I'd rather slide further and further into dystopia than put my hope into something else that might fail. Mm. Like that sentence just was so haunting to me because it feels so foreign to a millennial. You know, like yeah. I'd rather just keep sliding into dystopia than to put my hope into something else that might fail. And in a society where you just see hero after hero in every single sector of society crumble and fall, uh, I mean, why would I want to put my faith into something else that might fail? I think that that to me 
really, I mean, you, when you said that, that really drove into the heart of that worldview and who can we introduce, uh, uh, but Jesus into that worldview, but how I think is Re- resignation about. feels easier or more appropriate than hope because hope or optimism is letting people down. And I don't mean biblical hope. I just mean hope in the general sense. Mm-hmm. And we see mental health on the rise. Suicide's a big deal. Lots of people are slipping into uh, this mind frame and worldview of why does it matter? It's all crashing down mm-hmm. anyways. Um, yeah. And I mean, and like what you said, I mean, you just triggered another idea. Vocationally speaking, they call this the great resignation. I mean, everyone's just like, you know what? Why, why, why keep working either? You know, so I mean, it all feeds together. I think we're finding the resonance here. It's in different places. We're seeing a slip into dystopia. So, what, and and news? so we're not ending on just a, such a sad note. Linton and I have a lot of yeah. hope and energy about speaking the gospel. In this we think Amen. Jesus has a lot to say about this. Yes. Like yes. Jesus has great news that's actually real and fulfilling and can. Uh, fulfill the promises that he has. And it doesn't have to be a fleeting reality. It doesn't have to be the rug pulled out from underneath people. We have to learn how to communicate the gospel in a way that resonates so that it's not something that just feels like, okay, here they go again, trying to sell me something that's never going to come through. Um, we have to understand that's the, the feeling, but there is a way to communicate this. And we're so excited to talk about it and dream about this with you and work this out. So keep listening. God bless you. And um, please let us know if this resonates with you or if me and Linton are just crazy here in our vacuum. Have a good day. Love you guys. Bye.